good? Hello, hello. Hello, hello. There we are. Hey, that was a fun picnic. If you missed it, uh, I'll have to wait till next year, I guess. But uh, we had a good time and uh, played some soccer, a little football, all kind of different games. It was really fun, and uh, we're glad that you were a part of that. And, uh, yeah, it was good. We... Uh, we have an event coming up. We mentioned it briefly, but I just wanted to, to tap on it one more time, and that is the New to Epicenter Luncheon. Uh, if you are new to Epicenter in the last year, since 2017, or if you haven't been to one of our New to Epicenter Luncheons, uh, we want to invite you to be a part of that. It's on the 24th in a couple of weeks. The sign-up is back there, and we, we really... Uh, we just want to have fun. What we want to do is just let you know a little bit about who we are and where we're going. And again, if you're a regular, you're, this isn't for you. This is for new people, new to Epicenter Church. So sign up on the back. If you have any other questions, Kathy Nash can help you with that as well. Amen. Hey, uh, how many of you think we're living in a weird world? Anybody think we're living in a, in a weird, weird world right now? You know, man. I, I, okay, how many of you are news... Uh, news junkies, your news news aholics, uh, right? Do you watch a lot of news? Okay, so, and I haven't ever been one really before. Kind of the, the you know, as we started the the election last year, and then the the new the new president and all that. I've kind of been more involved in it because I feel like God is actually doing some things in our nation um, that you have to take a step back and you look at a big picture of it. And you really pray into it, and it feels like there's some shifting going on. Some things that were headed a certain direction are now moving a different direction. And I feel like the enemy is really fighting back on some things. And, and uh, man, I mean, we just had a hurricane we prayed about last Sunday, right? We prayed for Harvey in Texas and Louisiana. And then here we are this Sunday, we got another one barreling in on, on Florida. We got huge forest fires out in California. We got a crazy man in North Korea with a hydrogen bomb. I mean, it's just, you know, I'm watching the news and I'm thinking, wow, man, things are really, really picking up a little bit, right? And this morning, I want to take a break from, uh, we've been in a series on Moses and the people of promise, and I want to just put a pause on that for this Sunday. I felt like God last night as I was praying, and of course, watching the news some and, and all these kind of things. I, I was praying, and I felt like God was saying, I want you to, I want to I speak a couple things to the people through you today. I want to give you a couple things. And so this morning, uh, we're going to, the title of my message is, The Storms That Come. Okay? I didn't say the storms that might come. I said the storms that come. Everybody here could raise your hand and say, there have been storms in my life, Right? There are things that happen out of the blue, and one week you're going along fine, the next week, bam, your basement's flooded, you know, or whatever. And so it, there's a sense that we live in this fallen planet. There's, this, there's a sense that um, we understand that things are not really the way that they're supposed to be, right, or how they're going to be. See, in scriptures, it's as if we have bookends on planet Earth, at the beginning of planet Earth, we have God creating the heavens and the earth, right? And it's perfect. And he puts a perfect human in there, Adam, right? No guilt, no shame. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't read about any earthquakes or hurricanes or forest fires in the Garden of Eden. Did you read any of that? No. All right? And then we go through all of the history of planet Earth, and we get all the way to the end. And in Revelation, there's a lot of other stuff that's going to happen. But we also know that at the end of it, Jesus is coming back. Anybody say Amen. There's a, the Bible is very clear on this. It's the second coming of Christ. And he's going to establish a thousand-year reign initially of, 
of, of awesomeness, of perfection, and bringing the planet kind of back into order. In fact, the universe back into order. So we find there's kind of these bookends on history, don't we? Okay? Where do we live? <laughs> We're in it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And things that are not supposed to happen, I think, are happening. And things that we want to be different aren't different. And then some other things, the Bible actually then tells us that we are to be involved in what is going on in our world. And I don't mean just doing nice things like, you know, giving food to the poor or giving to this and, you know, nice things. That's all part of the gig. I get it. But this morning I want to address the idea that perhaps we're here for more than what we really realize we're here for. In other words, the Bible is very clear that he created each and every one of us. The Bible says, before you were in your mother's womb, I formed you. I actually made you. Exactly you. Nobody like you. Nobody is the same as you. You are unique and special and different. Turn to the person next to you and say, I are special. <laughs> I are unicue, my dad used to call it. You're unicue. <laughs> You're unique, right? And so here we are. And just to kind of give us a little, um, an idea of where we're taking the plane today, where we're going to be bringing this thing in. We're going to be talking a little bit about this storm, this Irma storm that is happening in Florida right now. Man, I mean, they're saying it's possibly the biggest one to ever hit the U.S., depending on who you talk to and where it's coming. And so it's a big deal, and I know we don't live in Florida, but how many of you have people you know or relatives in Florida right now? Yeah, I know people. Uh, that are friends of mine from high school that live there. Their family lives there. Some of them have left. Some of them are hunkering down. Uh, some of you remember Tony, the worship leader, way, way many years ago, and he, and he was the, at Calvary, Calvary Harvest, and he moved to Florida, and he's actually up in Georgia right now because he hightailed it out of South Florida, man. And so there's just a lot of things going on, and this, and this storm is just crazy. But one of the things that begins to happen when, like, okay, there are, a lot of people, even on the news, they just don't understand how two massive hurricanes could come so close to each other. That's, that's just not a thing. That's not normal. And when something's not normal, people begin to look for a reason why. You know, we want a reason for things. If something bad happens, don't you, you always want a reason. You know, like, okay, I'm going to kill something here, and I hope I don't step on too many toes, but like, I hear this all the time. If a, if a baby or a child dies for whatever reason, one of the things people say is, well, God just needed another angel. Okay. It sounds nice, but it's not true. <laughs> okay. Humans don't become angels. That's just not how it works. That's not how the Bible says it. And so even though we're hurting and pain of losing somebody, we sometimes try to throw bad theology on it to create peace for me when I don't have answers. I will tell you this, life is going to be filled, and many of you are already experiencing this, with a lot of questions that we don't have answers to. The reasons aren't always there. But in each of us, there's this sense of justice, like we, we have to have a reason. Why did this horrible thing happen? I, I don't know. I don't know. One of the hardest things I do as a pastor is try to counsel or comfort people in their times of loss, and they're looking to me for an answer that I don't have for them. Folks, I can tell you a couple things. At the very beginning of this whole thing, there was no death. 
There was no murder. There was no shame. There was no guilt. There was no storms that destroyed things. That wasn't a part of planet Earth. But I will tell you something. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, something broke on planet Earth. Okay? Many people call it that we now have a fallen planet. Now, as we're going to look at a little bit more today, there's a, there's, a, there's a real sense that on this broken, fallen planet, some things happen. Storms come. But I also know this, that in the, in the, in the chaos and in the, in the frustration and in the questioning, I want to give us some, just some nuggets of truth. And so it's going to be a little bit of a different message today, but I encourage you to take some notes because I just have a feeling some of you are in a storm, maybe not physically or literally, but it feels like it, right? If you're in a storm, and I want to just share some things with you from my heart, that, number one, we are always looking for an answer. We're always looking for an answer. When we don't understand something, we want to find the reason why or blame. Now, you know me. I don't preach politics very much, and I don't really go there, not because I'm afraid of the government or anything. I just feel like Let's do the kingdom, and when the kingdom is established and moving forward, it'll change government. It'll change our society, right? So the thing we focus on is not on so much the secular, but on the, on the spiritual, on the kingdom, right? But there are times these things pop up in our world. And so how many of you know that, that uh, Trump and Hillary were, were, <laughs> were the candidates for, for president, and everybody said Hillary was going to win, like by 20, 30 points and all this kind of stuff? And come to find out, Trump took it, right? With the, especially the Electoral College, just a huge kind of thing. Now, I'm not here to bash anybody, Trump or Hillary. But it's interesting, just this last week, um, she's been writing a book. Hillary Clinton's been writing a book. And the name of the book is, does anybody know? What Happened? Okay. So, you know, a lot of the Democrats and the people on, that, on the left side of this whole thing, they don't understand what happened. How could this guy with bad hair and orange skin get to be our president? Like, they don't, they just don't get it, right? And it's taken all these months, they still don't get it. There's still a sense of just frustration on, on, the, on the left. And on the right, you know, they're as troubled by the whole thing as the left is. Like, they don't know what to do with this guy, right? So Hillary writes this book, and it's, it's entitled, What Happened? And I, I, don't, I haven't read it, but I've been watching some excerpts on different things. And she methodically has been blaming everybody, <laughs> No, seriously, she blames Bernie Sanders. She blames, uh, you know, the, the Democratic Party. She blames the Macedonians. <laughs> you know, she blames the Russians and all this. And she just goes on and on and on. And she takes very little, you know, responsibility for a thing. But she doesn't really, and I'm, I'm just, I understand this in human nature. You know, it's easier to find reasons other places, right? But it's interesting. That book is written because people don't get where we're at, they want to know why. How did we get here? What was the reason for this, right? And it's interesting because now even the storms that are coming, the, 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 the hurricanes and all this stuff, what's the first thing people say? Why? <laughs> why? One of the phrases I hate worse than anything in the insurance industry, when a big storm comes or a tree hits your house or whatever, what do they call it? act of God. Like somehow God's up there going, I think your house needs a new tree. Boom, you know, just wiping out. Florida, don't like them. Bring that storm on in here, you know. Oh, Houston, oh my word, okay, you know, whatever, let's just go nail them, you know. Like, oh, I, that is the worst phrase, and we're going to destroy that phrase today, just so we're clear, okay. 
when God created this whole thing in the beginning, no storms, no fires, no chaos, no murder, no death, right? And in the end, he's going to restore the whole thing back to the way it's supposed to be in, in the future, right? So having this sense of trying to understand these things now, you know, I mentioned forest fires in California that are massive and just, they're just eating up the state out there. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, earthquake in Mexico, 8.3 earthquake in Mexico this week, right? And then crazy North Korea with the hydrogen bomb and all these things. Okay. We don't get it. We need answers. But how many of you know, this is not a 21st century thing. <laughs> this is not a modern thing. This goes all the way back. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me real quick this morning to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, verse 1 to 5. And I'll just set the story up. Jesus is teaching, and he's teaching his disciples, and there's some other people around. And something has happened in, in Israel just a little bit before the time that Jesus is teaching. Okay, so verse 1 reads this. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Okay, little history here. Pilate is, the, is the, the governor, he's the ruler of that area, and he's, it's the Roman thing, and he's mixed with the Jews, and, to, and there's a big problem, and he, you know, normally when you, when you sacrifice in the Jewish culture, when you sacrifice on the altar, you, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a lamb or a heifer or a dove or something, and it has to be pure, right? Well, just because of some horrible political things going on, Pilate actually mixes human blood of the people that were causing trouble with the sacrifice and put that on the altar. So you can imagine, you know, like, it's just crazy. It's not a, it's not a, <laughs> there's a lot of unhappy people, especially the, the people that died. And Jesus answered, verse 2, do you think that these Galileans, those ones who were killed and put up sacrifice, were worse sinners than all of the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Verse 4, or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. See, one of the things Jesus does, he's, those people are coming to him, and they're saying, why did those Galileans have to die that way? Why did those 18 people, they're just standing under a tower, and all of a sudden the tower falls on them and crushes them. They, did they, were they worse sinners is there some reason why, you know? Is Houston so evil that God had to send a hurricane to wipe them out? Is Florida so degenerate that God has to bring one in and begin to wipe them out? No. Jesus says, listen, the tower fell on people, and they're not any worse people than the other people around them. See, one of the things that you'll find in Christianity right now is a lot of prophets and ministers and different churches and things that they're saying God is bringing judgment on America because of how evil we are. That's why the hurricanes and the fires and all the death and destruction and, you know, and all this. <laughs> I want to tell you a couple things. Number one, that is simply not true. If it was true, there's a lot more vile nations on this earth right now that need destruction way worse than we do. In fact, I don't think there's one nation on the earth that would be exempt from that kind of judgment based on what they're doing, okay? The second thing is that I always ask this question, does that sound like Jesus? You know, because here's the deal. 
<laughs> We've mentioned this so many times. You know, Bill Johnson says, has this great phrase. He says, Jesus is good theology. Jesus is good theology, right? And what that means is our theology is, is, our, is our view of God and our life and how we do this thing, right? And did Jesus go around tipping towers over on people? <laughs> did Jesus walk out to the Sea of Galilee and go, yeah, too many sinners. Bring it on. Let's bring one on in here. Just wipe out a bunch of people in the big storm. No. What do we find? The exact opposite. He's not bringing the storms. He's calming the storms. And so here's what I would say to you. There is a sense that we will not get all the answers we want, I don't believe, on this earth. Everybody take your finger and just poke it on your head like this, in your brain. There are some questions that this isn't really going to work. We're not going to get all the answers, you know. But I will tell you what we do get. When we invite Christ to be the Lord of our life, when we say, Lord, forgive my, I want you to be my Savior, forgive all my sins, I want you to come and be my Lord, guess what? The Bible says we get Christ in me. And when I have Christ in me, then I get to have Christ coming out of me as well. In other words, he's, he's a part of me. What I do, what I see, how I think, how I feel. And so here's the deal. We may not have all the answers up here, but we can definitely get his presence in here. You see, my aunt, I have an aunt, Marilyn, my mom's sister, um, and she had a husband who died. My uncle died a few years ago, I think 15 years ago. And she remarried another guy named Dwayne. And Dwayne is, was older than her, and he, he's just a terrific guy. He helped me get uh, one of my first cars when Jody and I first got married. He's just this great guy. I love him to death. And, uh, but he passed away just this past week, right? So my Aunt Marilyn has now buried two husbands, right? That's a, that's a tough gig, right? But the thing about Marilyn is she is still has joy. She still has peace. If you read her stuff on Facebook and how she's in, my parents are with her right now and, you know, with the family, she totally gets that we are limited in our life and how we are on this planet. We're, we're limited. Until we get to eternity, when Christ comes back and we move into eternity, then things are going to be different. But for now, if we demand justice and we demand reasons, we will live in perpetual chaos. You will. You don't believe me? Try asking God why questions. You ask God why questions, you will be perpetually frustrated. Because <laughs> sometimes there isn't a why. Just like Jesus preached right here when he's talking about the blood mixed with, you know, the Galileans and the tower falling. Notice how he doesn't address it. He says, yeah, but everybody needs to repent. Everybody needs to come to Christ. In other words, he doesn't deal with the why. He just said, listen, this is basically... You have to take care of yourself. You have to take care of what's going on inside of you. Have you repented? Have you given your life to Christ, right? We always want reasons. We always want answers. But I want to just say it several times today. Hurricanes are not God's judgment. Hurricanes are not God's judgment. Hurricanes are not from God. It's not an act of God. It's an act of the broken planet. It's an act of this thing not working right. Now, I know we want to blame, <laughs> you know, global warming and all this kind of stuff that, you know, may or may not, you know, you may, where are you at scientifically? I'm not even going to go into that right now. But here's the thing. There have been hurricanes 
throughout the history of mankind before we started polluting the atmosphere, okay? And there's going to be hurricanes to come. In fact, the Bible says that these things are going to increase. So, folks, if you think hurricanes and fires and all that stuff is going to get less, it's probably not. We're moving into a season in human history where it's going to be, you know, fairly problematic in these areas. But I want to tell you something. The Bible is clear on one thing, and it's, it's a fine, small thing perhaps in some people's mind, but not in mine. And that is this, the difference between the last day and the last days, okay? So many people have interpreted Scripture in Daniel and different things. They talk about the, the end times, and they want to make this thing that, you know, things are going to get worse, 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 and then Christ is going to rapture us up and take us out. I really, I really don't believe that. I do believe that there's going to be things that are happening on the earth. We'll get to that in a second. But that there's a difference between the last day. The last day is when judgment comes, when God is going to judge mankind and all your acts and all those things. There's a last day. But there's also a time before that that's called the last days. And I believe we're in the last days, not the last day. Because the last days has to do with an age of grace. We're actually in a time where God is actually doing more miracles and he's moving on our planet in so many powerful ways. Okay? So let me just give you a couple of verses. Hosea 3.5 says this, Afterward, the sons of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they will come trembling to the Lord and to his goodness in the, say it with me, last days. John 12.48, Jesus says, He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges the world. The word I speak is what I will judge him at the last day. See that? Judgment on the last day. The last day. Jeremiah 49, 39. But it will come about in the last, say it with me, days, that I will restore the future of Elam, declares the Lord. Acts 2, 16 through 18. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, Peter gets up and he quotes the prophet Joel and he says this. And it shall be in the, say it again, last days, okay? God says that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. (laughs) Do you know what? In a lot of ways, God saves the best for last, In the last days, he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all mankind. And it doesn't matter how old or how young you are. You're going to see visions. You're going to prophesy. All these, you're going to speak in tongues. It's going to be unbelievable. You know, I love that when you, when you, that phrase, save the best for last, right? All the good stuff. And I believe this, the last days are going to bump into, eventually, the last day. But folks... The last day is a day of judgment, and it is going to be where the records are going to be set and you know, people are going to be accountable for what they've done. But we're not there. We're actually in this place of grace where God is moving and he's pouring out his spirit and miracles are happening and healings and signs and wonders and all these amazing things. Even in the midst of chaos and storms and North Korea, you know, you think about you know, communist China. And I don't know if you're familiar with this, but the church in communist China is literally exploding even under persecution and death and training camps and all this kind of stuff. They really, they, they, uh, 
God is moving by his spirit even in the midst of chaos. So I look at Florida and I look at Houston and I look at all this stuff that's going on and I say, God, even though that's horrible and even all this stuff, you're still moving. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know a lot about meteorology. I will be honest with you. I, I just listen to the weatherman and I kind of track what is. But if you're tracking the storm Irma, do you realize that it was supposed to go right over the most populated parts of Florida? But God's people began to pray. I believe this with all my heart. I believe that God's people began to pray, and the thing went, and it was supposed to be five category. Now it's a four, going to be three. And God moved it from the more populated places to the less. Now, mind you, it's still going to be storm, and there's still going to be a lot of damage and stuff. But I wonder, like, what would have happened if that storm would have hit Miami head on? I mean, unbelievable. Now, we're, you know, I think we're still going to see a lot of destruction. But I want to just reiterate, this is not the last day, judgment. We are in the last days, days of grace, where God's spirit is going to be poured out. And God's people are involved in what's going on. We'll get to that in a second here. Okay, so then the next thing is this. Jesus rebuked storms. He didn't bring them. Oh, man, this is so important because it goes to our view of God. We can sing, God is good. God is good. He's a good, good father. And we sing these songs, right? He's a good father. Hmm. Some people say that God gives people sickness to teach them a lesson. Some people say that God brings these storms to break people and crush them and then they'll come to him or whatever. Hmm. I, I, I'm not God and I can't speak to all of it, but I do know this. Jesus is good theology. <laughs> if Jesus would do it, then we can probably think that's okay. But if Jesus didn't do it, we should probably go, hey, that's not, that doesn't sound like Jesus, right? That doesn't sound like Jesus. <laughs> Go with me to Mark chapter 4, if you would. We, we've alluded to this earlier, but the disciples are getting in the boat, and there's a big storm. In Mark chapter 4, let's read it together. It says this in verse 35. That day, Mark 4, 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the, of the lake slash sea. Leaving the crowd behind them, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with them. Verse 37, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus brought this storm to teach the disciples a lesson. Oh, it's not, it didn't say that, right? Okay, sorry, let's go back. Verse 38, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet! Be still! Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this guy? Even the wind and waves obey him, right? Now, it's an interesting story, a couple of things, and we won't spend too much time on this today, but... Uh, just let me throw out a couple of things. Number one, Jesus wasn't worried about the storm. Ta-da! <laughs> right? You don't see Jesus going, oh, man, what are we going to do about this storm? I don't know. It just popped up. And... No. He's literally sleeping in the boat. 
he's, he's catching Z's, he's had a long day. And again, I'm not, I wasn't in that time, but we're not talking about some big yacht or something that can kind of go, we're talking some little wooden fishing boat on the Sea of Galilee, and when that storm was coming, have you ever been in a small boat in a storm? Or with a, you know, <laughs> that is not fun. That baby, yeah, you might, uh, you know, not get to keep some things. <laughs> but that it is rocking and rolling. It's all over the place. And here's Jesus just, you know, like he's got to be pretty sleepy, right? And pretty at peace with himself and the situation. So the disciples woke him. And I saw that in Scripture and I thought, you know, when storms of life come to us, I would encourage you, and we're going to do this this morning, actually, as we close, we're going to pray for Florida and what's going on down there. When storms come, wake up, Jesus. Right? Now, I know he's in you, and I know that he's around us, and he's in other. But you also know this, that he told us to pray. Like, there's a reason for prayer, and prayer is waking up Jesus. Does he know your storm? Is he in your boat? Yes. But you still need to go, Jesus, I really need you to do something in my storm. I need you to do something in this situation in my life. Jesus, wake up. And he's not sleeping because he doesn't care. He's sleeping because he's at peace. And he's not worried about what you're worried about. So, gee, I love it. Disciples woke him up. Jesus. But then that's where they kind of got it wrong because then the disciples ask the wrong question, don't they? Don't you care? Don't you care? You know, I've actually, I'll be honest with you. There have been times in my life I've asked that question. Situation comes, some horrible thing. And I'm going, God, don't you, don't you care what's going on? Why, God? Why? See, I think it's really important when you wake up Jesus, when you start talking to him, ask the right question. Ask the right question. Don't you care is the wrong question. Because Jesus reprimands them for it. But don't you guys have any faith? What are you afraid of? You know, like, like in other words, the, the, the track that Jesus was on was not the one the disciples were on. The disciples were on a different track. They were on an anxiety track. They were on a worry track. They were on a doubting the goodness of the Father track. See, I would just encourage you, wake Jesus up, but don't ask the wrong questions. Start asking the right questions. Say, Lord, what's going on? How are we going to handle this storm? You know, who's going to walk on the water this time? <laughs> you know, how are we going to command this thing to go, right? See, ask Jesus, wake him up and ask him the right questions. The disciples still don't get it. And so Jesus, he actually puts the responsibility back on the disciples, right? He says, why are you so afraid? Right? Do you still have no faith? See, Jesus wants us to begin to grow into maturity of faith. If you are struggling with the same question, fears, and doubts that you did when you first came to Christ, you're not growing up. You're living in perpetual Christian uh, immaturity. Because my little kids, well, where's Shannon? Shannon has Benji. He's three years old, right? And, and, uh, and one of the things, you know, three-year-olds, their favorite question is, why? Uh, we have to go now. Why? Uh, because we can't live at the church. <laughs> why? Because we have our own house. Why? And he just goes on and on. So he's asking all these why questions. 
<laughs> if my kids are 15 or 16 or whatever, and they're still asking me, why? 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 I'm like, oh, man, I failed <laughs> as a parent, right? Because <laughs> there's a sense that we don't, we don't want to be spiritual toddlers. We want to actually grow up into faith. And Jesus is actually kind of pushing the disciples this way. He says, listen, grow up. It's, not, it's time to quit being afraid. It's time to quit letting the storms around you dictate your faith and your understanding and what we're going to do with it, right? So again, we mentioned Jesus' good theology, right? What did Jesus do to the storm? See, I, I love this because sometimes we think of Jesus, he, he healed people, right? And so we need to, we'll heal people too, and I think that's awesome. He raised the dead, he healed, he cast out demons. But sometimes we forget he had authority over elements as well. He had authority over storms. He, he commanded storms in a couple of places. He walks on water, right? And, you know, when he's hungry and when the people are hungry, he takes a couple of little, some guy's little, uh, you know, little, little lunch situation and turns it into this huge banquet feast for everybody with a bunch of fish and bread left over, right? He had, he had authority over the elements. See, some people are mocking Christianities because on Facebook and, and in some of these, you know, online social stuff, there's a lot of people that are praying for Florida. The other day, some Hollywood star was making fun of us praying for Florida. Yeah, pray for Florida. Don't pray. Elect a new president. You know, like somehow Trump's responsible for the storm. I don't know. But I'm sitting here thinking, we have power, you guys. We have been given these things. And again, if Jesus is good theology, that means what Jesus did, I get to do. Right? I love the, well, how many of you watched the eclipse a couple weeks ago? Did you do that? Did you use your glasses? <laughs> no. All right, we'll have to pray for healing for your retinas a little bit later. It'll be no problem. <laughs> right? So on the day of it, we're on, the, on our back deck, and we bought the special little $20 3D glasses or whatever those things were. And we're sitting here looking up, and how many of you remember, like, that day? Just cloudy everywhere. And this little thing rose up inside of me. I'm on the back deck, and Sally was home uh, sick that day with her ankle thing. And, you know, she was getting better, but, you know, we kept her home that day. And uh, we're on the back deck, and I'm thinking, you know, when I was in junior high, it was the last time we had one of these massive eclipses, you know, Long, long time ago in junior high. <laughs> long time ago in junior high. And uh, I remember how cool it was, and I still remember everything about it. And I thought, here's Sally. I want her to have that experience too. And I'm looking up at the thing, and I see just a dull haze over the thing. And you can thank me for this. Because I said, clouds, get out of the way. I literally did. I said, get out of here. I want my daughter to see it. Within about 30, 40 seconds, all of a sudden, broop, the thing opens up, and you can see it because it was a little, little shady, but at least you could see it in the glasses, and we saw the, the, the eclipse and the whole thing. Now, you may say, well, that was just luck or whatever. You can say that if you want. But I know Jesus calmed storms, and he commanded the elements to change. I'm going to do that too, right? I remember the story Pat Adams told on Forgive me if I don't get all the details right, but there was a big storm coming into your neighborhood, right? And, and uh, there was going to be just down trees and everything. And she commanded in your area, right, your house and around your neighborhood, right? 
okay, both houses on east and west side of you, and your house, and she spoke to the storm and said, uh-uh, ain't going to happen. And don't you know that the storm went here, around it, and over to the other side and kept moving. And the place that she prayed over, the house and on right and left, was completely freed from the storm. Maybe a couple of branches, I think, down in the yard, but no damage. What? One leaf. Okay, so even better, right? Huge storm. But she literally said, storm, you just keep wide around me right now. See, I think this is part of the Christianity and the part of the Christian walk that we got to stop being afraid of what other people might think. Hey, you know what? There's a storm coming in. We get to command the storm. We get to command the waves. Why? Because it's not just Christ. It's Christ in us. It's Christ in us. I have the power. You have the power. We have the authority to do these things, right? And again, if it's, if it's not from God, if it's not judgment, which I don't believe it is because it's not the last day, right? We're still in this age of grace. We get to take the things of God and we get to, forgive me if I sound frivolous, but we get to play around with them, right? We get to take the authority and the power God has given us. We say, hey, you know what? You need healing? Let's do that. Hey, the storm is going to wreck some houses? No, you're not. You just keep away from my neighborhood. I believe there's so many people praying that that tract of that storm in Texas and Florida has literally been pushed west. I looked at it even this morning. I don't know exactly where it is, but it looks like it's actually going out to sea at this point. Now, it's going to have some effect on the land and that kind of stuff, and I know, you know, there's probably going to be some residual. But how many of you know that I, <laughs> some big storm that's out in the ocean as opposed to hitting Tampa or whatever or, or uh, you know, some of these other, Miami and Fort Lauderdale, I believe that that is actually an answer to prayer. Like, God has, I believe in that we push this thing to the west. I'm just, that's where I'm at, right? So, yeah, right. So, let's, uh, let's go to the last point here today. N- not only is God not judging through storms, not only is are we still in an age of grace, in the last days, not the last day, but here's where it gets really fun. I believe, lastly, that the church is the agent of change. We really have been given a mandate to make this planet different, not only through salvations and people coming to Christ and all that, but, but literally changing lives and changing situations. I mean, if there wasn't chaos, if there wasn't big problems, then how would we, you know, what would we actually change? You know what I'm saying? So here's what I want you to start praying. I want you to start praying that... Um, it, <laughs> I never get the guy's name right. The North Korean dictator guy. Kim Jong-il. Kim Kim Khan. Okay. That guy. I believe that we can start to pray for the dismantling of his influence and his power. I believe that through the power of prayer, because how many of you think there's a lot of Christians in South Korea praying for his downfall, Right? There's a lot of people in Japan praying for his downfall. There's a lot of people in Guam that are praying for his downfall, right? I believe that we can begin to pray and see some things begin to happen so that hydrogen destruction bomb doesn't land somewhere and kill you know, millions of people. Why? But here's the thing. The church has to stand up. we got to begin to start to do some of these things. Sometimes in Christianity we think if it's far away, then we don't have to worry about it. And I would say this. Florida is as close as the prayer that leaves your lips. I'm not kidding. North Korea is as close as the prayer on your lips. I believe that the Holy Spirit can do things in the North Korean dictator (laughs) that 
he will never see coming, and he won't have an answer for. I believe that. And you want to know how I believe that? Romans chapter 8, verse 19 to 22. Actually, let's go to Matthew 28 first, and then we'll, we'll circle back. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. There you go. Then Jesus, okay, so this, many of you know, this is the passage at the very end of Matthew. Jesus is just about to go back up to heaven. He's been crucified, tortured, died, and rose again. And he hung around for 30, 40 days, whatever it was. And now he's getting ready to go back up to heaven. And he calls his, his posse, his crew, his 12, well, now 11 disciples. And he wants to give them one last word and their, and their, and their parting assignment, right? So this is it. Last words right before he leaves. It says, Then Jesus came to them, the twelve, the eleven disciples, and said, All, say it with me, all, not some, all, authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19, therefore. Now some of you that have been around a while, you've heard me talk about this. Therefore means, in light of this previous statement, now, do this. In other words, therefore, ties the two verses together. Jesus says, listen, all authority has been given to me, and because of that, and Jesus had already done this previously, he says, all our authority is yours. Therefore, you go and take my authority and go do all these things. Okay? He goes on, verse 19. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very <laughs> end of the age. <laughs> right? I'm with you all the way through the last days to the last day, the end of the age. Right? What is he saying? He's saying, listen, we're not messing around here. I'm giving you full authority. I'm giving you full power to do what I did and the things that I've said, he says, now I'm going to release you to go do it, right? <laughs> In all authority. John 14, 12 to 14. Jesus, again, is teaching. This is, this is going back a little bit in, uh, in his ministry. And he says this, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Because I go to the Father. In other words, when I end up with this whole thing and I go back up to heaven, Matthew 28, he says, when this happens, he says, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me for anything in my name, I might do it. <laughs> so here's the challenge, right? We either believe all of the Bible or none of it. There's not really a middle option to pick and choose. I know a lot of churches kind of try to do this, you know, to, to, for their own good or theology or whatever. I'm not speaking ill against anybody. I'm just telling you, the Bible is either true or it's not true. Because if it's only partly true, then it's part lie too, right? So it's got to be true. So if Jesus says, listen, all authority is mine, now you go do all these things. And then earlier in John, he says, listen, my works are awesome, but you're going to do even greater things. So he says, now think, what were his works in light of today? One of his works was sleeping in a boat, standing up and going, yo, be done. No more storm. So when Pat commands her neighborhood to be protected and one leaf lays on the ground, she should be mad that there's one leaf on the ground. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
right? If we're watching a, an eclipse and we want to do, you know, it, whatever, you command the, the, the clouds to move aside, you know? We actually prayed over our Labor Day party that the rains wouldn't come and we'd have a great day. And it worked out exactly that way. Greater things than these will you do. So I want to close with one verse today. The church is the great change agent. We are the ones who are called to change some things, right? So Romans chapter 8. I want you to turn there. If you have your Bibles, I want to read this together. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 19 to 22. And this is actually in the Passion Translation. If you haven't picked it up, you, I would encourage you to do so. It reads awesome. The Passion Translation, Romans 8, verse 19 to 22, says this. The entire universe waits with excitement, yearning to see the unveiling of God's, God's glorious sons and daughters. Now, I don't know if you picked that up, but it reads almost the same in all the versions. versions, versions. <laughs> and it says, you know, them too. Here's the thing. Creation itself is actually waiting for us to display his glory. Now, the planet and the universe got wrecked through sin in the garden, right? The whole thing went, like it's kind of, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's got a broken axle or something, and the whole thing is still spinning, but it's spinning broken, and we've got too many storms, and we've got too many fires, and we've got too much hatred and anger and violence and wars and all that stuff, and the thing is, it's just, it's not right, and creation itself is waiting for you and me to display the glory of God. Sons and daughters to rise up and begin to show the earth, the world itself. Hey, that storm that's supposed to hit Miami, uh-uh, you move. Get, get, get out to sea. I think it's still possible, that thing. We could pray that thing right into the Gulf of Mexico. Right? I just believe that God would have us do things that change history, that change situations. Oh, if we could only get a grasp on how much authority and power and love resides in us, I think we would start to do things a little different, right? <laughs> the entire universe waits with excitement, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. For against its will, listen to this, for against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility, the chaos, resulting from the consequences of human sin. Did you, do you hear that? That when the whole planet got broke at the beginning... It's been bummed out. The planet and the universe itself, you know, it, and it says through no choice of its own. In other words, the planet didn't do anything wrong. Sin came into the world and started messing things up. And isn't that true today? Isn't sin messing up so many things? You know, I think of all the broken marriages and families and, and kids on drugs and, and alcohol and pornography and just all the garbage that's going on. It's just so much brokenness. And the earth and universe itself is crying out. They're yearning in anticipation for the sons and daughters of God to go be glorious, right? <laughs> but now, with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children when they are glorified. To this day, we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as if it were in the contractions of labor for childbirth. 
<laughs> you know, we ask, why is all these bad things happening? So you want to know why? Because the earth itself is in labor. Now, I've never given birth to anything. And I, you know, have four kids. It's amazing. But Jody obviously did all the heavy lifting. <laughs> you know, she was the one that was in pain. If you've had children, you know, contractions and labor, they're not fun, right? Any women here say that was not your funnest day in terms of pain and, tr- and trials uh, and, or coming up the road, <laughs> right? It's just part of life. But here's the thing. The earth itself is actually in, the, in, 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 con- in contractions. They're in pain. And I believe we're really close to the birthing of the, of the end of this whole thing. See, when, when it's actually birthed and when the end day actually comes and Jesus comes back and there's going to be a resetting of things on this planet. The planet itself is going to be set back in order. It's almost like you're driving a car and one, one flat tire, you know, and Jesus is coming back. He's going to put those four tires and he's going to align them and give you brand new radials and the whole thing, right? Like the planet itself is going to be restored back to running the way it should be running. The church, however, is the change agent. And so, here's what I want to do today. As we close, why don't you stand? I believe that as the agents of change, we have a responsibility to pray for his kingdom to come. That this authority that we've been given, we've been talking about today, we actually can begin to put it into practice. So this morning... I, you know, I don't love that the storm happened on a Sunday or this big hurricane is hitting Florida. But in a way, I think it's the best day of the seven that it could happen because God's people are meeting together all over this country in unified, concerted prayer for safety and for miracles and for things to happen in Florida that weren't going to happen without prayer. Some of you know there's a great phrase that I love, and it goes like this. Things happen when we pray that don't happen when we don't pray. <laughs> right? You tracking me? That if we actually would join our hearts and minds together in prayer, I believe that there's power in individual prayer, but I also believe, you know, there's power in, 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 in corporate prayer, in coming together and saying, God, together we're going to unify our voice and we're going to pray over Florida and we're going to agree, God, that you're going to do something miraculous there. And the three category is going to become a two category. And the two category is going to become a one. And the one's going to begin to just dissipate before it ever hits Georgia or whatever else it's going. And God, that you're going to begin to just move this thing, right? So, what do you say we begin to agree right now together? If you want to, yeah, join hands. That would probably be good. And uh, I want us just to begin to pray. Hallelujah. And uh, actually, I'm going to ask. Uh, couple of volunteers. If you want to pray, I want you to come up here. I want you to, I'm going to have a couple of you pray right into the mic. And just a couple of you that feel this burden on your heart and you want to do that. I want you just to come on up. Um, anybody want to do that? Yeah, come on up. Enid, Jerry, Kath, you coming? Okay. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to join our hearts together. And as we pray, uh, we're just going to believe God for, for a miracle. Amen. Can we do that? Hallelujah. We are the agents of change in this world in chaos. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. So, Lord, we bless you today, and we thank you, God, for what you're going to (laughs) do. I thank you that in this boat called the United States, you are in the stern. (laughs) You are right here with us, God. This is not the 
This is not the day of judgment. This is not your wrath being poured out on our country. This is opportunity for the saints of God and the church to rise up. Could you take that down, Aaron? This is the chance for the church of God, of Jesus Christ, to rise up. And so, Lord, we agree together in prayer for Florida right now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, we use the authority that you've uh, conferred upon us by merit of the blood of Jesus Christ, going all the way back to Abraham and back to Adam, Lord God. We have the authority to command the, 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 the storms that are going down there right now. Father in heaven, will we speak to that storm right now? dissipate, just like Pastor said, from a four to a three to a two to a nothing in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lord, we come before you as your servants. You said that there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's power in Jesus' name. And so in Jesus' name we ask it, uh, as you did in the boat, Lord, peace be still. The wind and the waves be still, Lord. We pray for the loved ones in Florida. Uh, protect them, guide them, direct them. Uh, yes, let's push this storm out to sea, Lord. And uh, if it does tarry, may it dissipate soon, Lord. In Jesus' name, we command it in your name. Amen. And Father, just go through and send forth your angels, Lord, that they will spread their wings over the state of Florida, over that peninsula, that it will redirect the winds when and the waters will be redirected, Lord. This is not your will for Florida, Lord. We declare your will in the name of Jesus Christ. It's already been paid for. It's a done deal in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for that, and we believe you for it today. Yes, God, in your name. Amen. Hey, I want to encourage you, if you're going to watch the news and all that, uh, you know, today, which, you know, I'm fascinated by this kind of stuff. I want you just to speak to your television as you're walking, watching. Just, Lord, keep moving that thing out of the way, out of harm's way for so many people. Amen? All right, God bless you. And uh, everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Go in the authority that you have been given. <laughs>